Hello and welcome to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm Gita Joshi and my guest today is the lovely Chloe McCarrick. Welcome, Chloe. Hi. Thanks so much for being my guest. It's taken quite some scheduling because I know you've had a hectic few months, but I'm glad we finally made it. Yeah, we're excited to be here. So for my audience who are not already familiar with your work, how, how would you describe it? I'm m- most recognized for my cyanotypes. So my cyanotypes are all based around uh, female figures from history and mythology. Um, I blend the cyanotypes with a combination of different metallic leaves, so gold leaf, copper leaf, um, zinc. But I also do a range of screen prints, collages and uh, fine art photographs as well common theme that runs through my whole body of work. They're all um, inspired by female figures from history and mythology. So, for example, one of the most popular figures um, would be Amelia Earhart. Um, So that particular piece, a mixture of uh, portraiture, so photographic portraiture, illustrations of birds, and I've basically created a homage to her being an amazing pilot. Um, but also <clears throat> I gave her a warrior mask made of a bird because not only was she an amazing aviator, she was also a great advocate for gender equality. So the, the warrior mask kind of embodies that spirit and how much she was just this strong, powerful, amazing woman. So how are the screen prints um, different in terms of subject matter to the cyanotypes that I am quite familiar with? Um, so the screen prints are um, still, they still have a feminist message behind them um, and they still embody that kind of feminist spirit, but they aren't about specific characters. They're, um, they're more about a message rather than um, creating a, um, a story and a narrative about celebrating a specific character. Um, and visually, they're they look very different because they're very colourful. They're not their kind of typical cyanotype, monotone colour. Um, and a lot of them are a bit more kind of graphic-y. Um, for example, one of them is called Fierce, and it says Fierce on there. So it's just using typography mixed with the, uh, the collaged screen print. Um, so it is very different to the cyanotypes where I don't use any text at all. So I know a lot of research goes into the work that you develop. Can you talk more about that process? Yeah, so um, what I do is I figure out which characters I would like to create a piece about. And then I um, go to the library, uh, go to museums, basically find as much as I possibly can about the history behind the people, their inspirations, um, and then work out how I want to visually tell their stories within the piece. So I figure out which symbols I want to use, which elements I want to use to um, to tell their stories. Um, so, for example, the Marie Curie piece, I, I wanted to figure out a way of being able to celebrate her amazing work. Um, she gave her life to um, to studying cancer research. So, how do how do I embody that within the piece? Um, so, I kind of deconstruct and then reconstruct, create these collages, combination of photography illustrations, printmaking, create the initial negative and then slowly develop the, um, the print process of the cyanotypes. So it's very much a kind of labor of love, uh, building up those layers, building up um, that kind of space and that time. And for me, it's just a really, really special process. And to be able to use a process that was pioneered by 
a woman to create my amazing ladies. It's just, yeah, it's a really special process. So that's quite different to the screen print story I know about. Can you? Yeah, so when I was creating the Rebel Voices collection of the screen prints, it kind of came about at the time when um, Donald Trump came to power and I wanted to be able to create a body of work that kind of had that strong message behind it and I wanted to be able to use my collages so I created these collages to kind of embody the message behind the pieces and then did the the screen printing process so it wasn't as heavily researched as the cyanotypes but it still has that element of deconstructing and reconstructing and using the collage and printmaking uh, processes Um, but it's very different to how I create the cyanotype collections. So so even though the cyanotype collection and the screen print collection are two separate bodies of work, they still have the underlying theme of um, strong women and feminism running through. When I'm creating my work, they are heavily influenced by strong women, but science and history play a major role within my work. I think it's just because that is what inspires me and what excites me. And it's being able to combine all of these elements together in creating my work. And um, I think as people see, see my work and they hear the stories behind it, they understand those different layers and that kind of multifaceted approach to bringing all of these elements together um, to be able to create this kind of whole story. And resulting in a very beautiful piece on top of all of that. (laughs) So true. I think that's one of the things I really like about your work, actually, is that it is, you know, it's amazing to look at. It really pulls you in, like, when you see it across a room. But then there's so many layers to actually, you know, understanding it and not just process, but um, the the personalities and the figures from history that you've used in it and everything else as well. So that really excites me, and I hope it ignites that kind of excitement in other people and I do feel that people really really connect with the story and even if they're not familiar with a specific character once they've heard about that character they go away and they research it for themselves and then they can tell other people before I became a full-time artist I was actually a lecturer in photography and interactive medium Um, so I suppose for me being able to share these incredible ladies' stories, it kind of links back to me sharing that knowledge of when I was a lecturer. And I suppose it's kind of been instilled in me without even realizing that I am kind of giving back. And when I'm teaching, I still teach workshops and I love being able to give back and to share. And that kind of, it it means a lot. Um, It gives me not only a sense of achievement when I've created the bodies of work, but being able to share the knowledge is a really fulfilling element, I suppose, in, in, in my work. So on the subject of then sharing your work, I know last year, 2019, was a big year of fairs for you, but I actually wanted to sort of talk about a little um, a bit before that, when you hadn't done any fairs. What were, what were you doing and how were you getting word out about your work and things and sharing that knowledge? So I do a lot of pop-up events, um, whether they be markets, uh, whether I do individual pop-ups inside stores um, or in teaching workshops. So I try and do at least two to three a month. Um, and that way I'm kind of getting 
not only my name out there, but I'm also being able to connect with my audience, with meeting new collectors. Um, I've uh, had a lot of work through interior designers off the back of doing uh, certain pop-ups inside certain stores. Um, so it kind of, it's created and opened the doors to a lot of opportunities um, for me to be able to show my work to people who wouldn't necessarily have seen it or discovered it online. Which, which sort of pop-ups were you doing? Um, so I do a lot of pop-ups inside a store called West Arms. So they're an American uh, furniture and home homeware store. Um, and they offer a platform to London artists and craftspeople um, be able to have a, a, essentially their own store inside their store for the weekend. And it's been an incredible opportunity for me to meet uh, people that want art for their homes, to meet interior designers. And they also let me do workshops there. I also do pop-ups um, in King's Cross at a market called Canopy Market. So they are um, a designer maker fair. Um, and I've done smaller markets at Crafty Fox um, and Urban Makers um, and a few other markets as well. So selling at pop-ups is very different to uh, selling at art fairs in relation to the body of work that I show and the price pointing. So I tailor my collections of work dependent on where I'm doing the pop-up and what the uh, the audience what, uh, what kind of audience is going to be coming to those pop-ups. So, for example, I'll have more gifting range pieces at um, markets. So it's a more affordable range of work or entry-level um, price point in so that people can kind of work their way up to being able to collect my higher price pointed pieces. <laughs> but it's a great way of being able to meet people who wouldn't necessarily go to art fairs um, and to kind of just ignite that excitement about my work so people can see it in the flesh as well because my work looks very different on a computer screen on a website than it does in real life. What sort of experience did you think that you were getting doing the markets because obviously you were preparing I think or it feels like you were preparing to actually take a next step up to art fairs quite soon after that? Yeah so um, I suppose doing the pop-ups was a way for me to be able to showcase um new work to get feedback because feedback is a really important part of where i want to take the take the work to the next kind of step and i suppose i needed to be able to financially um to, to be able to save up enough money in order to kind of take that step into the art fairs because it is a lot more kind of money to invest in and it is an investment um so, yeah, I suppose I had to work out, I had to work up to it. So it was kind of a journey and it felt like that was going to be the next kind of step. So I was working towards doing that. So in December 2018, I did an entire month every single day at a, at a, a pop-up um, selling my work. It was very cold, uh, but, <laughs> but I'd managed to save up enough money to be able to take the step to do the other art fair in March the following year for the first time. So that kind of was my step into the first year of doing art fairs. And I did quite a lot in 2019. I <laughs> wasn't expecting to do that many, but it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. You were everywhere last year. That was so cool. It was great to see you know, that uh, trajectory just, you know, really changed. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a surprise for me. I was just expecting to do one and 
I loved it. And I loved being able to share my work and my collections with other people. And yeah, I suppose I just kind of got the buzz of doing it and wanted to do more and to be able to share my um, my stories and the ladies' stories with other people. Yeah, it was just, I loved it. <laughs> and so now you were putting your work in front of a different audience, even though you had an audience of your own, but you were able to sort of now invite them to the fairs. They were able to see newer and bigger work. Yeah. What sort of feedback did you have about your work from, you know, the new people that were seeing it? So people seemed to really respond well to the work and it was great. <laughs> so that uh, you did, I don't know how many first, maybe three or four in London and then you were also in LA. How was LA for you? LA was incredible. Um, so I visited LA uh, before, so this was my fourth time going to the city, but my first ever time showing my work overseas. So it was scary. It was, um, yeah, taking me totally out of my comfort zone, uh, having to figure out logistics of shipping work, making sure everything was insured, uh, making sure that it, it was sent to the venue. Um, just figuring all that out in itself was like quite a big kind of feat. Um, but then to be able to be there, to show my work to a totally different audience again of people um not knowing how people were going to respond was a little bit kind of I suppose intimidating but at the same time exciting and I also uh, taught two workshops at the fair as well so I got to show the process to another audience of people and the LA sun is so intense that it exposed so quick it was exposing on my hands my hands turned blue that's never happened here um it takes a lot longer to expose my pieces in natural light here than it does in LA (laughs) so good Um, LA sounds amazing are you going to go back there this year I am yes I'm going back in April I'm really really excited to be going back um so and also this time it's probably going to be a little bit easier because I've done it once so I'm not going to be as kind of scared about the logistics behind the planning so uh, last time I hired an art handler that took my crates in after they were shipped checked them took them to the venue and then um, installed the work for me so that's the first time I've ever paid someone to install my work I usually always hang it myself it was actually pretty nice to just kind of point and say, yeah, I'd like this piece here, this piece here, this piece here. It took the strain out of doing it. Um, and um, I didn't have to then buy a drill, buy the ladders, figure out like what I was going to do with all of these things afterwards. So, yeah, it was it was handy to, to be able to kind of give that to someone else to do. Nice. It was the best $200 I've spent, put it that way. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad, is it? I'll tell you. No, it was, it, yeah, I suppose if we were doing it here, it would probably cost quite a lot more. Yeah. Um, and then they took they took my work. Well, I didn't have that much work to take down in the end. But <laughs> they took the few pieces that I had left down, pack, packed them back into the crate, and then took it away in order for um, my shipping company to collect it from them. And then I spent a week having a little hard because it was the first time I'd ever used big shipping crates. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have necessarily known how oh. to take it apart. And then repackage it all. So it was great that they kind of offer that full service. Um, 
and it was affordable. Yeah. The cost of actually paying for the fare, paying for the travel to get there, paying for the accommodation, um, all of that, it, it builds it, it builds up. And it is a big financial investment to go and do a show overseas. And I wasn't necessarily thinking that I was going to sell a full collection of work. So that, it was a big bonus um but for me i was going for the experience and to be able to show my work to a totally new audience of people would you say the la fair was your highlight of last year yes yeah definitely and that and the show in paris um so that was my second overseas show and so to be invited to do the salon de beaux-arts um it was just an incredible experience being at the louvre so the Salon de Beaux-Arts exhibition in December was um, a totally different experience to a normal um, to, to any other art show that I've done um, because the the setup was different. the um, The artists that were exhibiting were people who I've never exhibited with previously. Yeah, so I, I was incredibly flattered to be um, exhibiting alongside these amazing artists. Um, it totally changed kind of the the, the peer group. Um, the audience as well because a lot of people go to this prestigious art show to not only see the work but also to, to buy the work um, so yeah it was just it was a great end to 2019 and quite quite different to the pop-ups but, but you were still doing the market sort of fairs weren't you in December alongside did, that as well the whole month again in December <laughs> apart from being in Paris for a week um, I actually hired someone to take care of my stand whilst I was in Paris so people could still buy my work in London whilst I was away um, and it was nice to have a week off from being cold <laughs> 2019 was such a good year for you what have you got planned for 2020 so in 2020 i am going to be doing the other art fair in march at the treeman brewery in london and i'm also going back to la to um to do the other art fair in santa monica and i'm also going to be doing the affordable art fair in Hampstead. Uh, back to my old stomping ground and um, I'm hopefully going to be doing a, a little workshop there as well so people can actually see my processes in action and I'm um, going to be applying for a few open calls um, so I'm doing the uh, applying for the RA summer show so fingers crossed on that one so that's yeah the first part of the year is an exciting prospect we'll see what else the rest of the year holds you've got such an exciting year ahead I'm sure of it Chloe, thank you so much for being my guest on today's podcast. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk to you too. <laughs> the Curator Salon hopes you enjoyed this production.